This episode of Nerd Cognito is brought to you by The Red Room. Hey, Red Room, Miguel and Sylvia just revamped their entire wretched RPG and consolidated their core rules down for all of their properties. And we are proud to have them on board as a sponsor as they announce the next entry in the second edition of their wretched products, which is Wretched Epoch. You may remember, back a while, we reviewed Wretched Epoch when they weren't a sponsor, and we thought that the first edition was a spectacular look at French turn-of-the-century alternate weird world universe stuff. So we were thrilled when we heard that Wretched Epoch was getting the second edition treatment. You should check out Wretched Epoch, as well as all of their other properties at their website, which is theredroom.com, only the Red Room is backwards. It's M-O-O-R-D-E-R-E-H-T.com. Or, of course, it is available at Big Geek Emporium. Again, the Red Room is a great example of modern creators that just don't quit. They support us, and you should support them. And check out Wretched RPG and Wretched Epoch, both second editions. I don't think you'll be disappointed. And I know they will bring something awesome to your table. Now, on with the show. Hey, don't check your podcast provider. You are actually listening to Nerd Cognito, despite what you were told this week. <laughs> My name is Ryan David. Thank you for tuning in. Oh, It's been another really interesting week, and we have an even more interesting show for you. But I'm going to get right to it without any, any pause. Got a course joining me. Kyle. Hey, Kyle. What's going on? What's going on, man? Uh, you know what's going on, and we're joined as always by Bert. What's going on, Bert? Hey, Ryan, how's it going? Um, it's okay. It's okay. Like uh, more of the same. And actually, this week it's a little tiresome. So, um, I think at this point, all of those that have cast aspersions in our direction have have pretty much unloaded and stepped right into the spotlight so that everybody can see. And the funny thing is, uh, for some of them, they weren't the ones where the spotlight was directed. They just want, you know, they needed to pull that focus. And so they did. And I took some lumps, but you know, I'm a big boy. I can take it. I stand behind what I do and what I say. Uh, how was your week, my friend? That was good. Yeah, not a lot of gaming going on this week. I did a one online session, spent most of the week with Doing family stuff, took my nephew fishing. It was a good time. How, did you catch anything good? Uh, I know you had this micro fish you were catching. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the, the itty-bitty fish committee. Turns out if we go at night, we catch bigger fish. So we caught some decent catfish and things like that. Oh, there you go. There you go. Good good catfish. Kyle, how was your week? It was a week. Hey, man, brother. You saw, because, <laughs> you know, Bert coming into this oh i went fishing i didn't see any of the bullshit that people you know <laughs> rode your coattails for um you saw it um I, I don't even i don't even know what to think you know the last thing i recall was kind of putting a nail in the coffin on my appearance on biggest geekus and and moving on and then talking about fun things like dragons and the games that we love and then what the hell happened at the end of the week man well, things have been coming to a head for a while, um, and 
I think it was just kind of a natural occurrence. It, I don't know about the timing necessarily, why it happened when it happened. I don't, I mean, I don't know. There's a, there's a lot of guys that, you know, were, were saying shit that I am still friends with. As well and you should I, be. There are a lot of guys that are and, saying shit that I should still be friends with. And and I like I like hearing their I like reading their tweets. I like hearing their perspectives, and I'm happy for them when they have success and they have good times. And you know, I'm it's 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 unfortunate. It's uh, really unfortunate, and because we kind of created everybody involved, in my opinion. Um, you know, I'm not pointing blame, but we all kind of created our own self-fulfilling prophecy. Hey, I own, I own my part of it without, without a doubt. Um, I said what I said and I stood by what I said and I knew it was going to rub people the wrong way and say la vie shit happens. I don't know if you guys are like this, but you know, when you're sick, when you have like the flu or like a really bad cold, you could feel free to break my balls about this afterwards. I always look forward to that shit. <laughs> you know what I'm the shit when it's done. When when you just have that moment and it all comes out the way it's supposed to and yeah. then you move on with your world. And I, I think uh -huh. that 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 we filled the bowl up on Friday, and I, for one, am flushing the the, the, the toilet at this point. <laughs> um, I can't speak for everyone else. Yeah. I'm I'm I, I I'm just hoping for some sort of ceasefire at this point, some sort of armistice, and that maybe we can, even if we're not buddy buddy, maybe we can all kind of coexist and just and move forward from it. Hey, that's, not that's, for nothing, Kyle. That's my wish. I haven't said anything for a long time. And you will not find a retweet or a screenshot of any of this stuff that names any specific person or throws anybody under the bus. Um, just, just, just a little secret between you and I, right? Anyway, okay. I, I, I'm not going to dwell. It is what it is. I think that some people are highly emotional and possibly need to evaluate their own position because... In the end, what it's about is playing games at your table with your friends, right? And um, so I've taken my shit, and I've flushed, and I, I encourage others to do the same. Whether they will or they won't, who knows? Um, at least at this point, I can sit back and be entertained by the spin, and that's, that's, that's where I'm at with it right now. See what you miss, Bert? Are you sure we can't get, like... You to, to hop on Twitter at just Bert. <laughs> uh, think think I would rather swim in an open sewer. <laughs> uh, well, I I've always said what about Twitter? I said that Twitter is the cesspool of the internet, and um, it lived up to expectations <laughs> this week. Um, uh, good news coming out. I don't know if you guys heard at the top of the show, but uh, our friends at the Red Room are. Just like nonstop, Miguel and Sylvia—they're freaking machines, man. Uh, they announced Wretched Epoch, the second edition, and we proudly and happily are—you uh, know—the platform that I think had had sort of first knowledge on that one, and you know they are sponsoring this and future episodes. So I don't want to blur the lines. We are huge friends and fans of Miguel and Sylvia, and we're 
honored that they would sponsor our, our shows, but I think that, you know, sponsorship aside, I, I got a peek at Wretched Epoch Second Edition and it's looking good. So we're, we're we reviewed the first edition on the show a little while back, a while and ago. We yeah, thought, and we thought it was great. Uh, I can't wait to see what sort of you know updates or integrations they made with the new with the second edition. Spectacular stuff. Spectacular stuff. So so there's some good news. And you want to know some other good news? Hot off of uh, my journey into their world on Tuesday, we have a guest sitting in with us tonight, gentlemen. Don't all we clap do? at white. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need a clap. There he is. Everybody, hey man, welcome up, Randy from Biggest Geekus. Randy. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hey, welcome, can, we all, can we all just get along? No, I guess not. Uh, well, we don't have to always all get along. No. But I don't In see fact, the the high middle school drama that's going on right now. Like I'm I'm removed from that step. So, um, There's all kinds of gamers I've have disagreements with close gamers my good friends i just don't know why it has to be such a big deal but well i i think the phrase that i used that right or wrong um best is applied to this situation is we can accept criticism without interpreting it as contempt and yep. I, I think other people need to do that too that's 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 all i this is this is like the last word on this this whole ordeal for me I'm done, right? I said what I need to say. I owned it. I'm not going to apologize for it. I still have respect for some of the folks that are uh, still picking up buckets of mud. But, uh, man, the only time I'm playing in the mud pit is when I'm paying for it and there are two lovely ladies holding me down. So <laughs> that, that, that's it. <laughs> um, did you do any gaming this week, Randy? I did not game at all, which was very sad. Um, in fact, um, I'm hoping to get some this Saturday. I'm going to be running a Savage Worlds game. Savage Worlds, man, that 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 is a great game, and, and certainly a, a good. I look at it as like a palate cleanser, right? You know, I think that's exactly right. I was going to say we play. I've bought. I mean, gosh, I have a ginormous amount of Savage World stuff. Fell in love with it back during the. Oh, the original Explorers edition, and um, but it's one of those that I think I think the term palate cleanser is good. Six, seven sessions, maybe ten, and I'm ready to move on. Yeah, no, it, it, it's good. It's different, but it still has the familiarity that you're looking for. It scratches the itch. It gives you a different setting and a different character to play. But I agree, and I and I know there are some marathon sessions. There's marathon sessions for every system that's out there. Sure. But uh, for me, Savage Worlds is not a one shot. It's not a campaign. It's a good tweener, right? I tend to run it a lot. We at uh, up here, we have a play thing called Cabin Con. I talk about it on Biggest Geekus. That tends to be my go to game. That and uh, 13th Age. Those are the two that I tend uh -oh. to Cabin Con. <laughs> uh oh. Uh oh. Uh -oh. Now, Starting you, off with a bang. You, you said a bad word, man. Oh, um, yeah. Did I? I, I did say. I was giving my last word on the drama, but I want to talk about 13th Age tonight, right? Uh, one of the things that was latched on to was uh, you and I had a brief conversation that we're going to expand mm -hmm. upon today. Uh, Sounds uh, good. About 13th Age. And yeah. 13th Age, bad. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, well, Joe, Joe and I did a, uh, 
uh, I guess we must have had, a, it was meant to be a two-parter. It ended up being about five-parter, 13th Age Review, several years back. We might have still been in the, I think we're in YouTube. We might have just been podcasting on <laughs> some of our buddies and people that followed us in the chat. They didn't like that as much. It's not a favorite game of the people that listen to Biggest Geekest, but I'm sticking to it. I like it. Joking, joking deal with it. No, Bert, Bert played with us in, in oh. the official Nerd Cognito 13th Age campaign. That one ran almost a year, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I enjoyed 13th Age. Of course, you know, everybody knows I'm not a real gamer because I'll play anything. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Kyle, did you ever play 13th Age? I have not played 13th Age. I thought I had a uh, PDF copy of the core rules somewhere. I cannot find it. Um I mean, I'm a little familiar with it. I'm not super familiar with it. Well, in a nutshell, it's sort of like a jump step. It was released 2014, right? And the original team that was working on 5th edition, as I understand it, had some philosophical differences with wizards. Gee, can't imagine that actually happening. Um <laughs> And they broke off from wizards, and wizards burned their work to the ground and started anew, and what wizards came up with was 5th edition, and what this team came up with was the 13th Age. Um, 13th Age, I think, is a logical and great bridge. It closes the gap from the 3, 3.5 era, and you know whether or not you played 4th edition... Uh, you know, it's it's the bridge over that gap to fifth edition, and unfortunately, okay. I don't know if that even makes any sense, but it, it, it splits right. It is a, I think, meaningful and moderate system that yeah, is accessible, but it's not fifth edition. And I don't know, Randy, you guys give me your dime store tour of it. Well, for me, what makes it what makes it great? Uh, they even use the term "d20 rolling game" in the description. And if you understand the basics of, say, the third edition ascending armor class, though they do sneak in because they you have to you have several defense. So you have you know armor class, physical defense, mental defense. But um, I think it's a real easy intro game. I have a guy, a buddy of mine, uh, Larry. He's on the show a lot. He well, he, he listens and. He was in his 50s when he started role-playing. Oh. And 13th Age was the first game he played. And he loves it. Right. He's, he thinks it's great. And, and it is good. Um, it, I think if you have a problem with... Some people have trouble with the story elements of it. Um, you got a lot of free-form stuff going on. A lot of player... Well, I don't know if I would use the word agency. But they have some narrative control, which is kind of nice but it can personally i think can get out of hand i see it as a third edition fourth edition mashup with some simplicity which i think the core of fifth edition is very simple and so it's a very simple game um i do wish it had been fourth edition instead of fourth edition <laughs> 13th age would have been a great fourth now now i disagree that the players have i, I guess too much control right mm -hmm. if you have a strong dm Period. End of sentence. I, I don't think, Bert, we ever ran into a situation where, and maybe it's the makeup of our table, a bunch of old old grognards sitting around playing D&D, &D, but I don't think we ever ran into a situation where it 
was a storytelling game. Like it, it, it gets a bad rap as a storytelling game. It's not a fiasco, right? It's no. It, it's not a fate. Do you see the players having the ability to run away with it? Hmm. I mean, it never happened at our table, and I think that's, uh, you know, more because we were sort of, you know, embracing the, like the the campaign that we were in. I don't, I don't, but I don't really see it as a huge like problem. Like it doesn't seem like it goes off the rails. We never had it degenerate or anything like that, you know, offhand that I can remember. Maybe they have issues with the icons. I, 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 I have a real hard time. I, I can't wrap my hands around the hate that 13th age has received in the last week. Yeah. Well, the icon system adds story elements that the dm or that the game master might not be expecting but you're the one that incorporates them so you decide how that applies yeah and if you don't want the icon system poof it's gone yeah it's not critical that you run with icons um i like the escalation die it means that combats are not going to be running for an hour like they did in fourth edition and -hmm. it's not a storytelling combat like fifth edition sometimes can be I think one thing we did, and maybe we, because we're like you, we got a bunch of old grognars at the table, and but I have some players that are very happy to, we, we got caught up in, me too, this whole idea of narrative control, where if a player will, I use, and I took this from Savage Worlds, we use, I use chips, so if you get a five, it's in the game, every session you roll your icon relationships on a D6. Sure. And if you get a five, I would hand out a certain type of chip. And that would be a five chip and you would have it. And that, and what that means is something good can happen for your character, but there's a drawback success with the, with the price. And then six is like, you know, blue skies, everything good. You, you can use it and cool things can happen. And the game describes it as, and first we even allowed it to be a re-roll, but there's enough of that crap in the game as it is. Um, but um, I do think that the chips sometimes we we call them the chips, but it's the icon relationship points. If players say, Hey, I had this relationship with the arc mage and he's taught me that if you're going to attack this creature, you have to use your, you know, you got to do this little chant one time and you have a better chance to break down his defenses. You know, you're supposed to be creative from the player's side using those relationships. And as a DM, you can say no, but I think early on I was trying to embrace that part of the game and i would find that players would three or four players are trying to affect the combat not like i get all these great bonuses but try to have cool things happen or drop the defenses of a monster using some cool thing they learned from the dwarf king or whatever and initially i liked it but what i mean by too much controls i think maybe it was my fault that just too much input in one in one scene so one of my friends made a good point he said why don't we just limit the use of a relationship point to one, one per scene. One see, player can you use- guys took it a, a step even further than, than yeah. what I did from my interpretation, because it's, it is very loose as it's written in the, in the rules. Yes. What I do is it, when we have, for lack of a better term, a scene, Oh, we're going to get shit for using that word. <laughs> um, but when we have a scene or a, a particular area, um, I would have, players roll their relationships and I would keep it on my DM's initiative screen. And if something logically fit in the storyline, I use that 
as a barometer for what would happen. They didn't yeah. have the ability to say, I rolled a six on my relationship. I want to do this. No, it was if it fit in thematically with where we're at, shit would happen that's cool or not cool, depending on, on the, the role that you have. I don't know. Randy, you took this a step even further. How dare you? <laughs> I know. I became a real story DM. I mean, there was a time that I was leaning more toward that. I, I like for players to have input, especially when things are minor. I guess I recall a Dragon Magazine article, a place I was reading years ago, where it said, you know, you don't have to, like a player's go into a bar and say a bar fight breaks out. A player can look over and says, I reach across, um, the bar and I grab a bottle of whiskey and you, some DMs were like, I never said it was there. I'm like, who cares? That sounds reasonable. Go for it. You know, um, I, I think I like the players inputting in the scene a little bit, but I guess we need to put more controls on it. And I've been thinking a lot about 13th age. I think I want to, it's core is really smooth. It I sure think some, is. I'm so heartbroken about, the, the second edition bringing in sensitivity readers. Oh, I know. And, and talking about race again, and they're going to be kin now. And I, we should have seen it coming though, Ryan. I mean, I mean, I do. I, like, I look at the names I on like the, the book. creator. Right. Yep. And, and, and you know where they're coming from, but yeah. again, God help us, Randy. We have the ability <laughs> to maybe not be in lockstep philosophically with someone and still enjoy other aspects of their work or existence. So, well, you know, and I wonder, I've been thinking a lot about that because I've gone on a uh, kind of a, in my mind, it's been a boycott tirade, um, not to bring in modern politics, but, you know, say with Paizo and Watsi, I don't support any, any of their stuff and I don't care if anybody does. I'm just not going to. And I, and I wonder when 13th age did that, I was like, Oh man, I really want second edition. I would love to have a better organized core book. Yeah. I, I just, for me, for me, it's too big of a step to, for God, there's other stuff to play. Um, yes. and, and that's sort of the camp that I'm in. I want to like it. I, I really enjoyed the, the all of the first edition stuff, even yeah. when they got into what some people would call their unnecessary volumes of stuff. Right. It wasn't over the top. It wasn't a 3.5 situation, right? Oh, no. there's That's both the advantage. I would say, though, as a, another criticism, and this is coming from someone, this is from Loved. I, I, but, you know, I think when you like something, that's when you tend to be more critical anyway. And I I think the game is a problem, and Joe would agree with this, as we've talked about it a lot, it's too predictable. I mean, combats are predictable. They have a flow. It seems to me, if you build them according to the to the rules, which the rules do say you should make mean, Jonathan Tweet makes comments, which their sidebars are the best in the book. <laughs> uh, Kyle, if you've never read it, it's hilarious to read the comments of the designers. But anyway, if you if you play if you design an encounter, what happens is the first round or two, most of the time the characters are like, "Holy crap, this thing hits hard!" and they're and they can't they want to use their cool powers till near the end because they have a better chance to be successful. And when the escalation dice gets three or four, and your barbarians raging and all these things are coming to effect, then you know the players are going to win. And I I tell you the truth, I've never. Kill, and I don't mean this, this is going to sound bad, but I have a killer DM kind of reputation with my cabin con guys. 
I've never killed a player character using 13th age. I have. Ever. I have. Oh, wow. Good. Good for you. Bert, go. You, you've come close a couple of times. <laughs> lost a character. Oops. It happens. I think that the the rubber band is what I like to think about it as, as far as the combat, mm-hmm. is a double-edged sword because it does move combats along. It really does. And, and you're not going to have the eternal combat. Also, if you have a DM that is running things logically, you're going to have all of your sentient, thoughtful creatures and races and combatants in a situation where it's not a fifth edition duel to the death, right? People are going Mm -hmm. to surrender. People are going to lose morale and run. Um, And maybe it does come down to the DM. Um, I don't know. Bert, I, I don't think we've ever had an issue with predictability or challenge, have we? Mm, no, I don't. I, I can't really think of anything that comes up. I mean, we have been through like, you know, there were difficult encounters and things like that, but that's what you expect from a game like that. There wasn't anything where it was a uh, where it was a shit show or anything like that. No, and we've had things even with the the rubber band of the escalation die in place where it was down to a round and it was either the party or the the opponents oh yeah that happened at cabin con this pushed them to the wall i mean they were like they thought they were going to lose i mean they really but they they tell me that they often feel like they're going to lose but i still would claim i guess it just depends It, it seems like it gets close and then the players seem to pull it out now this year was much much closer than i've ever seen before maybe i'm getting better now, I tend to run about a half a click heavy on challenge when I'm running 13th age, and maybe yep. that's the difference. Maybe that's the oh, difference. Yep. I, I, t- I tend to make double strength encounters. Oh, a there you go. Par for the course. Yep. So, Kyle, you want to join us story gamers next time we're running 13th <laughs> age? Hey, I've got no problem with story games. Uh, <laughs> back in the early 90s, I uh, was heavy into Vampire the Masquerade. Um the storyteller was a was a theater kid you in college. <laughs> hey, I tell you what, you know what? Okay, uh, yeah, I, I know, I know, and I'll catch heat for that, and that's fine. But I learned a lot from that guy, and about how to run games and to keep people engaged. And I'm not talking about you know the all the acting theater kid bullshit, just. You learn about, okay, for an example, uh, one of the things that he liked to do is every session we would have, he'd leave it on a cliffhanger. That's just being a good DM. That's being a good author. That's being a good content creator. You always want someone to want more. Yeah, but that's something that I hadn't experienced before. And I remember, you know, I'm still pretty young. You know, this is late teen, around 20 years old, you know, when the, when all this happened. I had never seen that before. And it blew me away because that's exactly what it does. It's like you leave it on a cliffhanger. Nobody's missing the next session. No. They don't have something better to do. They want to be there. What the hell is going to happen? What's, you know, and I, I, I really was impressed by that. That's something that I try to use these days. Maybe it's maybe it's because I was a theater kid back then. <laughs> um, but no, I've always tried to, and Bert can attest to this. No matter what the system is, when it's a good place to stop, even if it's an early stop or a late stop, 
Um, you know, if time hits and I, as the DM, know this isn't where I want to drop it, I'm going to very politely ask, hey, say, hey, let's go. We can wrap this in 30 minutes, but I don't think this is a good point to stop at. And I've also said, hey, I know we're an hour, an hour and 15 minutes ahead of schedule, but I want to cut it here because this is a great place to stop and we could always throw like a shorty on the table afterwards. Um, I've done right. that all the time. Um, yep. That's the thing. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's, uh, you know, when, when I played before, you know, lots of times it was always like, okay, let's get to a good stopping point where everybody's, you know, in town or rested or whatever. And, you know, and it was, but that man, leave it on a cliffhanger. That was probably the biggest thing I learned from that guy. Man. Well, newsflash, you can have story in an osr or osr philosophy based group it's not impossible it's not the end of the world and in fact it probably makes it better than just doing like high school math with with folks that are just sitting and reciting books i don't know (sighs) man nobody bueller bueller I said newsflash. I said. I know. I right. caught that. I didn't want to say anything. I was waiting for. Well, Bert. last time you told me not to say anything because you were waiting for Kyle. Dang it! Yeah, well, Kyle's okay. had his chance. Now he's a moron. He should have caught it. <laughs> I caught it. I should have done it. I'm your biggest fan. Oh, Randy. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let's do this again. We're just, we're just going to rewind and pretend and, and let Randy have a little a little story gaming moment here, right? Yeah. <laughs> then he can go and he's like, hey, I've got hot news. I was on Nerd Cognito and I caught when Ryan said the word. <laughs> oh, Ryan said the word. That's awesome. All right. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Enough of that. All right. Uh, Randy, you want to stick around for the for the rest of the show? <laughs> if you'll have me, yeah, I, sure. You have an open invitation, my friend. Um, Thank you, sir. Well, y- you listen. You said you listen on a semi-regular mm-hmm. basis and... Uh, not to inflate my ego, but I assume you've heard our recounting of the tabletop role-playing game that takes place during an Olive Garden meal before, correct? Yes, yes. <laughs> Want some soup, salad, and breadsticks, my friend? Um, well, it might have been Trump this week. Because a new game? A new game is coming out, and you can now defend the last Waffle House against the zombie apocalypse. Wait, I thought Waffle House would be the only thing left in, after a zombie apocalypse. They stay open during hurricanes. Well, that's why you're defending it, Bert. Not only that, but you gotta get some hash browns scattered, double smothered, covered, and country. That's the way I like them. Mm, um, yeah. But, yeah, no. Um, I would totally play that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, do you, do you like have to go to Waffle to House to play it? Because that sounds like What's a trip that? to the Waffle House. I was going to say, do you have to oh. go to the Waffle House to play it? Because... A trip to the Waffle House is always a good thing. <laughs> now, I, I, I agree. I'm not going to shit on Waffle House. Waffle House is one of the staples of crap food that every drunk appreciates. <laughs> I'm going to say you can only, it says in the beginning of the game, you can only play it when drunk at 3 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, the game's name is Cracker Barrel Has Fallen. Um, i i I don't know politically again they are 
very, very not in our camp. Um, proceeds to the game benefit some sort of rainbow alphabet, something or other. Uh, <sighs> but it is... You knew it was coming. It's the zombie apocalypse. First Zaxby's goes down, then Bojangles. Mmm, chicken and biscuits. Um, now Cracker Barrel, and eventually uh, you can take it to Waffle House. Um, you and all the employees and patrons in your town's Waffle House are the last line of defense in a zombie horde survival game. Uh, it's three to five tabletop. I guess it's kind of a story game. Um, <laughs> as three to five probably about three and a half four hours per session um so order the all-star special and pass the ammunition I, you know i i'm on board with it it is a name your own price game so randy you could you could buy it for the for the low low price tag of cheap as free um oh, wow hmm. but yeah i i i think that's something is listening to us that has skittle hair and jagged teeth and isn't just a basic bitch. Oh, I shouldn't <laughs> say that. Uh, you guys are supposed to stop me. <laughs> Not going to happen from this end. Yeah, we, we can't stop you. Right. We, we can, we can only mitigate the damage so far, Ryan. Well, uh, Randy, in fact, since it, since it is a name your own price game, I will send you my copy of it. And, Sweet, and uh, you can play. It's 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 real easy. It's a two pager, uh, stupid stupid game. But sometimes the stupid games are fun. I don't think it's quite on par with the horrific nature that Olive Garden, whatever that was, that nightmare. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, they they're night and day different. One's a generational like family game. The other one is like defend your waffle house from zombies i like know but leading into it i had to i had to talk about the olive garden game so um a friend of ours played uh wendy's had a game a couple years ago i saw and that he, and he ran that at cabin con one year that was cool arby's was was leaning heavy into our hobby as well this year i don't know if you saw they released uh the arby's set of polyhedral dice that um, yeah, yes. for the for the critical hit you you rolled the Arby's logo. <laughs> I did not see that. I Apparently they almost, sold out fast. Too. Yeah, they they, they sold out. They did a second run. It sold out fast. I didn't pull the trigger yep. on the first run because I was like, these are fifteen, sixteen bucks for Arby's dice. <laughs> and then I wish I did, and then I missed the second run. So um, I didn't get any either. But yeah, it was a it was actually pretty wildly successful. So good for Arby's, man. They have the meats. Um, but no. Uh, <laughs> the Waffle House Index is the gimmick of the game. It's the metric for the severity of the disaster. Um, and we talked about rubber band elastics with our 13th Age discussion. The game runs on sort of that theory. If you're in okay. the green on the Waffle House Index, all is well. You're, you're good. you got your wits about you. Um, mm -hmm. You start in the yellow which is, you know, average. And then as it gets down into the red zone, things are getting hairy. And if you get all the way to the end of the red spectrum, the zombies overrun the Waffle House and your grilled cheese sandwich is left to burn. So uh, <laughs> Cracker Barrel oh, has damn. fallen. It's available on Itch. Just search for it and... Um, this would be a fun game to play on stream because it would be one shot. 
and then we could really have people bust us up for story gaming. That would be good. <laughs> we should all do that. Sounds good. Piggybacking on Zombies, uh, the Last of Us board game is up for pre-order right now for the low, low price of $75. Actually, I'm kind of surprised. I, I'm surprised that that's as low as it is. Right. I mean, considering the price of some of the other popular games that we've been seeing lately, I would expect that to be much higher, especially with how hot that property is right now. Yeah, I mean... Um, 75 bucks for the standard edition. You want to go all in? 130 pounds, dollars. It's about the same right now. It, it is in, in that weird British money. Hey, Jim. I totally forgot. <laughs> <laughs> that, does, that does sound cheap, though. That's not nearly as expensive oh. as some of the games you guys talk Well, I was going to ask if, uh, is this based on the TV series or the video game? Or does that make a difference? Do I you think? don't know that it makes a difference right now. The the gimmick looks as though it's kind of pulling from both, right? Right. Naughty Dog is publishing the game. They've done reasonable work in the oh. past. Yes, uh, they have. I I'm, I'm not going to criticize them. Uh, the biggest thing that I have an issue with Naughty Dog games is sometimes the components are a little less than stellar. But I don't know that I could criticize it at this price point. Again, all in is 130 bucks. Uh, that gives you the collector's edition of the game, uh, a play mats, uh, and sleeves for your cards. Sleeving is silly, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where I want to tell you something. That's where, where um, when I first, uh, Joe recommended your show to me and you guys are talking a lot about video games and board games. And I don't know if you know this, I'm not much of either. Um, I don't play video games much or board games, but I really list, like listening to you guys. And when you, when you say sleeving cards, it's like the magic, the gathering sleeves you're talking about, those sort of things. Yeah. You, mm -hmm. Yeah. That seems really hard to do like a lot of time. Now, the Magic players, I give them a pass on sleeving because they have to sleeve them for mm. tournament rules, right? Oh. Sleeving uh, in, in the Magic setting is actually like an anti-cheat, so people can't mark their cards. Oh. Okay. Um, in board games, it's just plastic and cardboard, guys. And, and the argument out there in the board game community is... Well, we sleeve it because, you know, if I'm going to spend $100 on a board game, I want it to last. I've played board games my whole life. And, <laughs> Randy, how many board games do you think I've blown through cards on from overplay? I would say none. Zero is the correct number. Yep. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't understand it. Sleeving is silly, 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 silly. Um. The, the characters in the game are exactly what you would expect. Right? You've got Ellie, you've got Bill, Joel, Joel yeah. Tess, Tommy, Marlene. So the sculpts for the miniatures look good. Our friend T would have 30 more things to paint. But all in all, I don't know, it's not setting my world on fire. Here, let me throw the link to you guys in the chat so that you can see. And maybe it's because... I don't have hot nuts for The Last of Us like some folks do, but yeah, um, I don't either. I'm I could care less, honestly. <laughs> you say I played the very first game and I found it to be you know kind of fun and engaging, but I, I never got on the hype train for it. Right, it, it's it's a big hype train. 
I don't know. Really? I, I thought a friend of mine was, uh, he got me to watch. Oh. What what channel had that TV show, The Last of Us? Was that HBO? That was HBO, I think. Yeah, I, HBO, I enjoyed yes. it relatively well. I just, are there more monsters in the video game or the board game? Because they showed those, um, spoiler alert, there's a big hole in the ground. All these zombie type creatures come out and you see a few of them, but they don't seem to have, like, there was a real big dude in there. I didn't see him. I was hoping to see him again. They didn't have much in the way of the crazy looking zombie monster dudes. No, I, the gameplay is still very ambiguous, you know, um, I guess we'll see. It's going to be shipping soon. Uh, I do know a friend that has a copy of it, uh, that is backed. It was over a million dollar Kickstarter. So I, I'm not always right, <laughs> but uh, I have reformed my opinion. Uh Oh, tell me about because. This. Well, you threw up the link, so I'm looking at the Kickstarter. I did not make the connection. This is an Escape the Dark game. Yes. That changes everything. Oh, well, sell me on it, man, because I can <laughs> I can get either a all-in or a retail pledge uh, through, through people. Well, I mean, I, 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 know I, I think it would... Yeah. <laughs> you would... I mean, you'd probably want to be a fan of the IP, which, but I have played Escape the Dark uh sector okay the the deep the deep space adventure one it's a reskin of that game right oh that's my understanding yeah and i tell you what it's i would liken it to something like cards against humanity where it's going to be fun for a short period of time and then you're going to shelve it and probably never pick it up again yes that is what cards was i hated cards yeah me too (laughs) Well, I, I loved it for, you know, the first half a dozen to a dozen times you play it, and then it just mm-hmm. becomes extremely repetitive. But it's a, I mean, you talk about random generation, Escape the Dark, that's that's all it is, right. essentially. Right. So, so clearly, against, cards, folks aren't going to like it because it's, it's too much story game for them. Cards Against Humanity was the, first <laughs> game, was the first game that I actually destroyed a component. Oh, out of <laughs> anger or? Well, I didn't like the card that said blood of Christ, not well, torn up. Fair wouldn't, enough. Wouldn't anybody use it. So okay. I'm not easily offended, but I was by that. I am not easily offended, but I said, nope, not having it. The last time I played cards against humanity, uh, Bert was here and I went blind <laughs> that night. That's, that's, that's yeah. not a work. You that, talked about that. Yeah. Wow. That, that was the night that, that I went blind in my left eye. So. <laughs> I, that's a sign ryan so I, sign don't I blame play that cards game. against humanity <laughs> of course uh, uh, but but it's but escape the dark is is it's i mean it's fun it's a fun system and uh it you know it's it's like any random generation you're gonna if, if you stick to it it's like okay well this doesn't really make any damn sense considering what just happened last but it's still a it's still a fun thing yeah i've, I've played sector once and i had a i enjoyed it and, and it goes fairly quick, too. It's not one of these things that you're going to be locked into it for four hours, necessarily. See, I just don't, do you, I don't love the IP enough to get in on it. Randy? Do you guys like um, strategy games more? Because when I do play a board game, I actually prefer chaos. <laughs> I, like, I like randomness. Like, I'm a big fan of, uh, big fan's a strong word, not a big fan of any board game, Talisman. Okay. There's not much, there's almost no strategy there. No, it's I completely like, roll and move. Yeah, I like. I like strategy. Okay, yeah, I'm just. I have no gift for strategy. Bert will tell you we we'll play anything, mm-hmm. uh, but I think we skew more towards strategic co-ops now more than anything else. 
Yeah, uh, a lot of games time, are fun. I agree. Yeah, I would agree with that too. I'll play anything, and I'll try any you know any board game once. But uh, yeah, I do like the strategy aspects. I like the idea that I may have some sort of ability to affect the outcome of the game. You know, use a little bit of game theory that not everything's just a complete random. But that probably comes from the fact that I played a lot of chess as a child. Uh, see, you're so smart. <laughs> I didn't. Chess. I didn't say I was good. <laughs> I I played chess as well, and being the spoiled brat that I was, I was. It was third grade. I remember it like it was yesterday. I won the first tournament. Right, which was just against you know schlubs at school and and kids that came in from the after school program and played chess, and I thought I was hot shit. And then I got to move up to like the 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 city level of chess, and right. I got destroyed in the next level. And I said, "All right, fuck this, I'm out. I'm I'm not going to do this commitment. I've got video games and books to read and other things to play." <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> Whether or not I am smart, the jury is still out, but I absolutely own that if I am not motivated, I'm lazy, and I was too lazy for chess, and I own that. So, I have a small chess story. I mean, I've never played a lot of chess, but I, I played some, and then in college, and I hadn't played in years, I'm not, I'm not good. I won't spend the time, and I do think it's a skill and something you have to work at. I met a young guy. We were at a party, and he was pretty much three sheets in. And he's like, hey, you want to play chess? And we're like, sure. I sat down. Well, he beats me in like two minutes. And then we play multiple games. And he's like, gives himself a minute. I can take as long as I want. Then he does 30 seconds. And he's drinking a beer. And he's drunk. And he completely blows me away. And I'm like, man, I am horrible. He goes, don't feel bad. I was a national junior champion. <laughs> I like, but I, well, I was still impressed. He was drunk and beating the living crap out of me. Legitimately, well, you have to be about ten moves ahead and have three different contingencies. So it's really thirty moves that you have to shuffle in your brain. When I was yeah, I learning have, that, that was that was the guy that was teaching me taught me that. He's like, you always have to be ten moves in three different combinations ahead, and wow. um, th and it shifts every time, right? So yeah, yeah, it, it's essentially. 30 factorial moves every time a piece moves. And I was like, oh, man. It can be tough. Yeah. It can be tough. Um, um, I, I don't know how good I was. I never, you know, got rated or anything like that. I studied it a lot. I read a lot of books on it. And when I was in college, um, I think I was a, I was living in the dorms. I think I was a sophomore and the freshman came in that year and there was this guy two doors down from me. His name was Chris and he came from a very affluent family and he was, I'm not sure if he was nationally rated, but, uh, I don't recall, but I think he might have been, he, his family actually like hired a chess tutor Boy. for him. Oh, wow. And Oof. so, the, and so this guy was good. He could play blindfold chess and things like that. And so he's, so he's out in the common area. He's playing chess with this guy one day. And I'm just kind of sitting there watching him because I love the game. He creams this guy. He asked me, he's like, you want to play? And I'm like, yeah, sure. So we sit down. We played. It was well over an hour. And then I finally got to a point. I checkmated him. Oh, This is the first, guy, nice. this is the first game I'd ever played against him. 
and he just started laughing and he shook his hand shook my hand he introduced himself we became pretty good friends for the rest of our college lives there i never beat him again <laughs> <laughs> no because oh. he knew your he knew your game at that point right yeah. right yeah he was well more advanced than i was and a lot of it i got pretty lucky honestly i, I he, think he, he, he just him, he, he missed a couple early. of i caught him off guard with a couple of things that he wasn't used to and but uh, that's about the best story I've got about my chess experiences. Good. Me, I suck at it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we just need silly, stupid stuff. Um, <laughs> the chess, no. Um, next time we play Eldritch Horror, man, I wish that we all had a little more proximity because we would have one hell of a time playing some Dude, stuff. Dude, I would love to play games with you guys. We'd have so much. You guys just need to all move to Kansas City. I was going to say Michigan. We're having great weather right now. You know, I am anchored here. I have so much business tied up where I am right now that I couldn't move if I wanted to, unfortunately. I understand. I understand. Yeah. That's that's kind of the problem with, you know, us getting into podcasting and the YouTube channel. Man, I meet a lot of cool guys, and I want so many of them, like, come to Big Geek Con. But, you know, you're asking to travel, and it's our first con, so... I can't, I can't offer too much to people. So, but it's, it would be cool to play with a lot of guys. Give us some of the details on that, Randy. What, where is big geek con actually? Um, big geek con is in Saginaw, Michigan. Um, you can check us out on tabletop events. So I'm told we're hard to find. You can also go to big geek emporium. And I think we have a link there for the tabletop events. It's two days in September, the 22nd and 23rd, a Friday and Saturday. We have uh, been saying we need at least 20 people to make this happen, uh, but uh, you're going to get the scoop here now. I may go ahead and just plunk it all down myself and hope people show up. Um, it's going to be a um, two days of just gaming, family-friendly stuff. It's our first time running a full convention. The cabin con I talk about is just buddies getting together, but I, I have organized it all 17 years. So I, I think I can do this. I just... Um, have a lot of, I'm going to need a lot of help with to run games. And, uh, if we can get at least 20 people, I know we're going to be at least the cost will be roughly balanced. If I get 30 or 40 people, I might even make a nickel, but not much. So, but I'm not care. I don't actually don't care about that. Joe is $30 and that's for both days, $30 total. That's insanely cheap. I, I thought so too. Joe was kind of mad at me, but I said, we can do it for that. And he goes, yeah, but dude, but I said, let's just try this. I don't have much to offer. I've been to I've been to 20 or more Gen Cons. I've been to Origins. I've been to several conventions, and it's nothing like that. This is a small, local, hometown, first attempt. We're going to make lots of mistakes. Um, I've hornswoggled my wife to help me out at the desk when people sign up, and she'll uh, she doesn't have some bait goods to sell. And we've got some people on the podcast. I call it a podcast. I don't know what it is, the YouTube show, that have said they might send some prizes in. So we're going to have some prizes and have fun and you know, two days, just gorge ourselves on gaming. So, and everybody's invited. It should be really fun. Well, I hope that if you are in the area, Saginaw, Michigan, September, you definitely check it out. We're going to put a link to the registration in the show Thank notes. Um, I, I don't know. Next time you talk to Joe, um, yeah. I sent him a, a, a something to preview uh, this week. I thought I CC'd okay. you, but I might not have. I don't um, think so. Talk to Joe, make sure he got it, and tell him I need one more font for the business card-sized one. <laughs> oh, yes, sir. I did. I did see those, yeah. 
that's something great. I'm going to get those flyers done. That's kind of my job this week to get them out. And, so thank you, Ryan. I, did, I, I didn't want to just be out there with it because, you know, I don't know if you want my name attached to it right now. <laughs> 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 look, that I made some me. flyers because I'm okay at that graphic design stuff. Um, no, definitely check it out. Big Geek Con, 30 bucks, insanely cheap good friends, good people. And that's really what we look for in the table. You know, yeah. one of the things I get shit for is saying that gatekeeping is good, but gatekeeping is necessary. And the gate has already been kept here at big geek con because you know, you're going to be in with like-minded good gamers. And that's, that's the bottom line. We, we game because we want to have fun. Yeah. There will be no safe spaces. <laughs> <laughs> Zero safe spaces. Correct. Um, much Be like this, the next tabletop game that's in the news, <laughs> uh, boy, we talked about Cracker Barrel has fallen. Well, there's another gem that I stumbled across, uh, piggybacking on the success of Cocaine Bear. Uh, did anybody see that? Uh, it's just an atrocity <laughs> of a film. Uh, no, I did. Yes. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> It's on my list. Well, someone has has produced Cocaine Owl Bear. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, no. Uh, No. You're a woodland creature who has recently gained sentience when you ingested magical cocaine from the satchel of an unlucky traveler. (laughs) With your newfound intelligence, you plunder the belongings of the courier you killed, and you find that he or she, because we've got to say both, has a complicated plan written for a heist on parchment in their satchel but it's not just any heist it's a heist that involves stealing more enchanted cocaine that has granted you sentience can you take a chance that when the cocaine wears off you'll revert to a regular woodland animal no you can't so you have to get more cocaine um build your tribe i i i (laughs) I did not buy Cocaine Owl Bear, (laughs) nor do I have any desire to play a coked-out enchanted woodland creature. That's just a little too much of that for me. So yeah. um, not my cup of tea, but it's kind of funny. It, it's it's <laughs> out there. I I'll give the Sparkle Troll that came up with this one credit. It was great timing. The art is funny. <laughs> Good job, Sparkly One. Good job. You're still not getting my dollar. It's only one dollar on itch. Yeah, the show was weird, but I watched it. I, I did not see it, and I don't have a desire to see it. Maybe I'm a stick in the mud on this one. No, I well, or maybe there's two sticks in the mud because I have no desire to see it either. I'm pretty much down with cheese like that, but it was not the best. <laughs> <laughs> when I saw it, you know, the cocaine bear thing, I was like, okay, it's snakes on a plane, you know, different version. Pretty much, it's you know, it's it's great for memes and you know internet conversation and you know funny laughs but like is really anybody gonna watch this thing i guess it actually turned out that a lot of people did apparently it's people are watching it right it, it, yeah. it's a comedy it's not meant to be serious they're trying to be funny but they're not that funny well <laughs> i'd rather you know pocket that five bucks and go get a milkshake right <laughs> Where can you get a milkshake for five bucks, Ryan? Uh, I guess because we get in in the office because we're a bunch of nerds plunking away at software. 
we cannot resist things like milkshakes. <laughs> we get a <laughs> variety of milkshakes. Most of them clock in at around the $5 mark. They do. Uh, that brings me to our last story. Um, we sometimes take crap, but usually get interesting feedback when we talk about food. And we're going to talk about the five best fast food milkshakes. <laughs> no, of course. Oh, cool. Okay. Um, uh, are, are you guys fans of milkshake? I, I, I am a fan of the milkshake. The milkshake is my preferred method of frozen treat. I like milkshakes. Uh, I, do I don't like know if it's my top. It's in the top three. Yeah. Okay. I'm a, I'm a huge milkshake guy. The uh, you know, growing up on diner fare, like a milkshake and a cheeseburger were like big big deal to me. Oh, we're not talking good milkshakes. We're talking fast food milkshakes here. So <laughs> take it in a pinch. We're talking. We need a quick sugar hit, and we're driving by, and boom, there it is. Number okay. five is is the queen, Dairy Queen. Um, ironically, one of my lowest rated milkshakes. Normally, oh, if I'm going to Dairy strawberry. Queen. I'm you normally if I'm going to Dairy Queen, I'm not ordering a milkshake. I'm getting a blizzard. I'm, yeah, most of the time. That's yeah. my number one, but I do like strawberry milkshake. Not to mention that there's something about, and and I know, oh, it's not ice cream. It's it's DQ frozen treat, and they put lard in it. Of course they do. That's why it's good. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, there's something about their DQ frozen treat that just doesn't translate for the milkshake for me, for me. But uh, Dairy Queen is number five on the list. Um, Kyle, what flavor are you going to get if I'm going to force you to to drink a milkshake? Butterscotch. Ooh, interesting flavor, you old fuck. <laughs> <laughs> My grandmother appreciates your choice. Um, yeah, she, well, she's still going, looking at a hundred here soon. So, oh wow! Hang on, I just filled my pocket full of Worthers. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, do you remember the the hard candies that were the strawberries that had the jelly in the middle? Yes, that's they my, still make those. That's my favorite old lady candy. Uh, number four, milkshake, um, steak and shake. Now, this is going to be regional for some folks because steak and shake is not nationwide. Um, we have it. Or had it. They we used to have it. They left our markets. Um, Randy, do you guys have steak and shake? Yes, very thick shakes. Very thick shakes and cheap, cheap yep. shakes. Yep, they're not yeah, bad. They were, they were so good. I don't know why they withdrew from our market. Like I, That used to be like my go-to like fast food place was steak and shake. You know what happened to steak and shake in our market is they overexpanded too fast. And, and they couldn't support the number of places that they built. In the region in the south, or roughly south, southern Indiana, they did the same thing, and they lost a few franchises. Now, they lost all of them where we're at, which makes me sad because oh. four bucks, not even the $5 shake, $4, and I can buy cocaine owlbear. So, <laughs> um, now, Steak and Shake was definitely at, my, at the top of, of my list. Number three, Chick-fil-A. Purveyor of Jesus chicken and delicious milkshakes. <laughs> um, they are never known for their milkshakes. Oh, I never have, had one of theirs. I have an nope. issue with their milkshakes, and that is price per quantity. When I go there, I normally get the lemonade because it's one of those rare places where they have fresh lemonade. Yeah, I, uh, you know, we, we, hmm. as I said, we get milkshakes. <sighs> 
close to four or five days a week at the office. <laughs> we are a software company fueled by sugar, energy drinks, <laughs> and garbage food. The, the Chick-fil-A milkshake has continuously shrunk, but the price has continually gone up. And it is too much for what you get. I actually passed the last time we got Chick-fil-A on a milkshake because it is a $6 shake that is roughly 8 to 10 ounces. It, it's small. Ew. It is oh, wow. small. Boo. Um, number two is Five Guys. Oh, they have good shakes. They do have some good nope. shakes. They have good greasy never food. Had one never had either. their shake. I'll tell you what. They have a milkshake that is a must-have, and that is, you can ask. It's not on the menu. Talking about the bacon milkshake? Yes. You can ask for a vanilla milkshake and have them put bacon on it and in it. Yeah. That's what you would think. (laughs) I know. I mean, I love bacon, but wow. But it is so good. There's crunchy, salty bits that change it into a fat man delight. Wow. I'm not afraid of food, so bring it on. Yeah, so next time you go to Five Guys, order a large vanilla shake and tell them you want bacon. Okay. It, it is well worth it. That is a $10 shake, though, uh, just just so you know. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, Five Guys. And, and last but not least, and I disagree with this, is Shake Shack. Shake Shack be- is the Starbucks of a milkshake. Ugh. I've never had a Shake Shack. I don't know them. That must be something. I don't either. I've never seen them. I don't either. Uh, they are, I, I used to say a regional chain, but they're they're moving into uh, more markets, we can say. Um, but they are the hoity-toity, we're better than you milkshake. And um, hmm. apparently to, to this list, which is from Eat This, Not That, um, they are the number one milkshake. And... Um, I don't know if you guys remember or if you still have them. There's still a handful of them around, but they've generally died out. Do you guys remember Cold Stone Creamery? Oh, yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah. They are the equivalent of Cold Stone Creamery. They have an assortment of high-end shake ingredients that you can have mixed <laughs> into your shake. And, you know, we have premium dairy ice cream. Um, eh. Eh. I thought Cold Stone I did was a quick good, Google but... search. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Um, I did a quick Google search, and I see that there are actually two Shake Shacks in my area, in the Kansas City metro area. And uh, I see what you're saying about them kind of being the, the hoity-toity sort of thing because they are in the heart of two of the richest neighborhoods <laughs> in the city. <laughs> One is on the Country Club Plaza, which is uh, high-end business retail and condos. And then the other is in Leewood, Kansas, which is a very million-dollar-plus homes. Gotcha. And like like homes that shouldn't be worth that kind of money. It's just because... Where they're at. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Kyle inspired me. I just checked. We have some near Detroit. Ah, there you go. Place called Troy, but um, I'm not traveling down there for a milkshake. Sorry, Ryan. Milkshakes are fine, but they, Troy, Michigan. That's uh, that's the original Kmart town, right? 
I believe so. Yeah. I'm not an expert. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I, I remember my first paycheck and the, the, the return address on it. Um, oh, wow. That, there you go. That was my first job. I was, I was at cool. Kmart. I've, fond memories of Kmart pre-Sears buying them. They, uh, for a retailer, I look back at them fondly now. Uh, they really took care of their employees. They really did. So, um, unfortunately, Sears came in, and well, the rest is history because you know where you can go if you want to find a Sears. <laughs> that's back in time. Uh, but that's right. also <laughs> our news for the week. Oh, boy. We are humming along. We're, we're, we're actually over time. Randy, we had a great time talking to you. Well, thanks uh, for having me. No, I, 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 we're not even done. We got a whole other segment. Um, what do you guys think? Are we going to split this into a nano again? We should. Yeah, it's probably the best bet. All right. So, uh, Bert, tell everybody what they can look forward to this Saturday when their nano drops. I was doing some research in gaming, and um, I got an ad, and it made me think about, you see a lot of peripherals, but specifically game-related cookbooks. See, we were going to piggyback this off of the milkshakes, right? Right, exactly. But, you know, when you're over, you're over. So we're going to talk about game-related cookbooks and other sort of off-brand peripherals when it comes to gaming. Yeah, I, you know, specifically we're looking at the cookbooks. Um, a lot of this dovetails in with the Gag Me With The Spoon. It's a lifestyle brand stuff. But there's always been kitschy stuff uh, since the beginning of time. And we're going to specifically take a look at those game-related cookbooks and see what we think. And, uh, you know, R hey, Randy will be there for that, too. So stick around this Saturday. More Randy! <laughs> yeah, oh, and Ryan, oh, yeah. I even found a top ten list of the ten best oh, holy game shit. cookbooks. It's Ryan's on, favorite. It's on, like, Donkey Kong. <laughs> Oh, boy. But I guess we, we should start to wrap things up. And I, I guess there's no better way than to send out our sincere thank you to uh, something that's very important, near and dear to our heart. And that's this week's... Yeah, you know that on that cesspool of Twitter where people like to say mean things to me, that the Nerdcognito ladies uh, have the blue check mark, that coveted blue check mark. And this month it's courtesy of Matt Barninger. Randy, you know Matt. He's he's he runs yeah. in the same circle as us. Matt is an awesome guy. Great. He seems cool. Great thoughts. And uh, he sponsored our check mark this month. So we encourage you to give him a follow and see if you agree with Matt. You can follow him on the Twitter machine. At Matt Barninger, that's M-A-T-T -T underscore B-A-R-N-I-N-G-E-R. Uh, if you want to be a... Process is super simple. Go to nerdcognito.com, click on Be a Checkmark Hero, and shoot us eight bucks. That's it. It's the cheapest plug that you will get on the game <laughs> or on the show. Period. <laughs> End of story. On the game. Where's my brain? Uh <laughs> Uh, but we, we, Matt, we sincerely thank you. We know you've been a checkmark hero in the past, and uh, your support since the early, early days of Nerd Cognito has always been appreciated. We also want to remind you that while you're contemplating those $8, you know, sacrifice one of those milkshakes for us. Um, we want you to go to Nerd Cognito on the Twitter machine. Yes, I just said how vile it is. Go there! Um, but 
right now and for the foreseeable future, we are still doing the Summer of Giveaways. And through the end of June, we have a, a pretty awesome set of prizes for, for this round. First up, from Fractured Brain Studios, not even released, we've got the Dystopian Dawn Player's Guide and Game Master's Guide that was generously donated from, from our friends over there. You can win that, uh, possibly before even the, the folks that crowdfunded it uh, have it in their little mitts. So check it out. Uh, find the promotional tweet for that and do the stuff in the tweet. And the big get for the end of the month is uh, Dungeons and Delvers. The hardcover beast is also a, a giveaway this time. So again, find the promotional post on the Twitter machine at NerdCognito. Do the things on the post and we might be gifting one of those two prizes to you. Really, really cool stuff. Along with with that, you definitely want to check out Randy on the Biggest Geekest podcast. You want to find them on YouTube. Just type in Biggest Geekest. You will find them right away. Give them a subscription because we want them to be successful too. Uh, the one thing that I've said in the past and I'll say again, and it's blatantly obvious now, is that our end of the hobby doesn't support each other as they should. So we really have to do it. And we encourage you to, to follow Biggest Geekus. And also, remember, if you've got something you want to buy, check the Emporium. The Emporium takes care of the creators much better than the other options. So Biggest Geekus and Big Geek Emporium. I don't think I'm missing any of the plugs. Am I? That's a no. Silence is a yeah, no. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> well, then I guess, you know, we're going we're gonna to call it. We're, we're a little over time, but... All of us, including Randy, are going to be back for a nano where we're talking about the kitschy cookbooks in our end of the hobby. So uh, we thank you for tuning in. We thank you for listening. And we will talk at you next week. Be safe out there, everybody. Thanks, guys.